Hey there, and welcome to the Agency Rockstars podcast. I'm Dana Lindahl, and I'm the founder of LegendaryLeadGen.com, where we help B2B companies become authorities in their industry, set more sales appointments, and convert those appointments into more sales. We also help other agencies sell our patent process on to their own clients. And we truly believe in the value of building and creating relationships, and in that being the main driver of new sales for agencies. So... Stick around to the end of the show. We're going to be revealing how you can be our next guest on one of the fastest growing agency podcasts on the planet. All right, let's get straight into it. All right, rock stars, welcome back to the show. My name is Dan. I'm your host, and I'm on stage today with another rock star, and uh, he's going to bring the energy and the stories and some great stuff. Uh, I'll tell you about his business here in a moment, but his name is Scott Beebe. Scott, welcome to the show. Dan, thank you. I feel like I need uh, like like eighties hair, you know, to be on this show. But I'll yeah, go with I'm the shortcut. You. There you go. There you go. I remember the day that. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna date myself here. Uh, I remember the day that Metallica members got their haircut, and I was like, "Wait, what? You got yeah. old?" Which is cool. Like they're great, but yeah, yeah, you can have short hair and still be a rocker. That's all right. Societal change. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, so Scott, you run a business called Business on Purpose. Uh, your website's mm-hmm. mybusinessonpurpose.com. Uh, you are uh, you're a coach. You're a giver. Tell me a little bit about yourself and how you got into this world of working with people. If you yeah, will. yeah, Dan. Thanks. Um, if I go way back, I'm a I'm a mutt. I grew up all over the United States, and my blueprint is very fragmented to how we got here. So I'll keep this short, uh, <laughs> but we'll try to connect the pieces all at the same time. So, uh, like I said, grew up all over the country. My dad's an engineer, and so we followed projects uh, mm-hmm. and opportunities, and then uh, ended up going to university at the University of South Carolina. So graduated there. And then went to theology school uh, out in Fort Worth, Texas. So was there for three years. That was a pretty, was a much longer program than I thought it was going to be. Uh, but Ashley and I, we went out there, lived out there. And, uh, and then I graduated from seminary and I did the next most logical thing. I went and sold drugs legally uh, with Pfizer. And uh, so did that in Georgia for a couple of years and then had this, I guess they would call it an existential crisis. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but I, I was trying to reconcile faith and work and can those two things merge and, and all that. And I just, it was really hard for me at that time in my life. And so uh, a, a dear friend of mine asked if we would come on staff at a church with them in the mid cities area of Dallas, Fort Worth. And so we left Pfizer, did that for a couple of years. And then their strategy to grow was to plant churches, uh, you know, these new little churches all over around the Dallas Fort Worth Metroplex. So we were like, sign us up for that. That sounds totally crazy. And so we got this small little team of 10 people together, went to South Fort Worth, started a church, did that for about two and a half, three years. And I was just like, wow, that is really overwhelming. And then um, uh, an acquaintance here in the extreme Southern tip of South Carolina asked if we would come help plant a church here, right outside of Hilton Head Island. Mm -hmm. And so we were like, sure, but I didn't want to be on staff. And so came out, worked for Pfizer, did that for a few years, we were also involved and still are in uh, in doing work in Nigeria. And so ever since 2006, we've been working in Nigeria. Uh, vision, mission, values have always been a big part of what I enjoy doing and what I feel like I'm, I'm good at. And that organization that we vol- volunteered with asked if we would help clarify all of those things for them. So we did that. Then they asked if we would leave Pfizer and come do that full-time as their international director. So did that 
for a couple of years. And then we had this like bizarre, weird one person board coup d'etat within that organization. And on February 27, 2015, I didn't have a job. I walked into a boardroom on our fourth emergency board meeting. Uh, eight of the nine board members called me in and said, this is what's happened. We don't know what to do. What advice do you have? And I said, well, you only have about three or four options and all of them aren't good. And uh, the option that I recommended they go with and that they actually went with was uh, dissolving my role because of the situation that they had gotten into. And uh, with that, obviously dissolved my job. So I walked out at noon uh, on that Friday, three inches of snow on the ground. There was zero when I walked in and uh, I didn't have a job. And so that was Friday, flew home uh, that day, really lonely flight home. Uh, finally got in uh, about one o'clock in the morning. I just remember that lonely drive from the airport to my house going, man, I'm married. I've got three kids. I'm 39 years old. Um, I, this is weird. And so that Monday, this is going to sound really simple. I hate it when people don't give the story behind this little nugget, but that next Monday we started business on purpose. And what drove you to start business on purpose? You said earlier, mission, vision, values. Um, I know that, you know, your, your headline on the website is coaching that liberates you from business chaos, which I, which I love. What, what is it that drew you into doing it all for yourself to serve others? Helping people think through long-range vision, mission values. I did not know this at the time, but vision is very principally old. It's not a novel concept. It's not Peter Drucker didn't come up. You know, Jim Collins didn't come up with it. It's not a Seth Godin idea. I love, I love all those guys. I love reading all those guys. But not, none of the modern theorists came up with this idea of vision. Vision has been with us since the founding. Um and so if you look back through even just, just historical antiquity and reading and all of that, some of the greatest writers, storytellers, they all had vision in common. And again, I didn't know it at the time, but that's part of what I love is allowing people to kind of look up from where they're at and look out and go, hey, where are you headed? Not just in, in, in this um, kind of pithy statement sort of, hey, let's charge the castle, <laughs> but where are you headed in detail? Um, with great specificity. And so marrying that, and then I knew some some buddies of mine at the time were business owners, and they just seemed to constantly be in chaos, you know, putting out fires left and right and not knowing which way they were coming up or going down. And they thought they were profitable. Everybody thought they were profitable because their name was on the business or on the side <laughs> of the truck. So they'd see them drive down the road and be like, man, that guy's killing it. Yeah. And internally I'm thinking, are, are they? Right. And what I found was a lot of times the business was killing them. And so yeah, we started with uh, with two guys, both friends of mine, both business owners. They asked me, uh, what do you want to coach us on? <laughs> and I told them, I'm not sure, but you just got to give me a shot. And so we started with vision, mission, values, and we we haven't looked back. Right on. And so as you know, the, the listeners are, are often, and my guests are often agency owners in particular, you're more of a, yeah. a consultant which and a coach, which I love. Um, what kind of advice do you give to agency owners to start that process of thinking about their vision, mission, uh, and values? So pardon me for lumping agency owners in with other types of niche agency owners, but what I have found in the world of agencies is it is a world that seems to be dominated by build something, sell it, build something, sell it, build something, Mm -hmm. sell it. Totally noble. That's completely cool. Sometimes we get so obsessed with the selling part of it that we just build to sell and we don't build for meaning, build for purpose 
even if we didn't sell it, if you sell it, it's great. But what we tell people is, hey, build your business to sell. That's great. You need mm-hmm. to operate that way. We, we preach that all the time. Mm-hmm. But don't allow that to be your defining purpose. Um, if you're going to sell something, why are you selling it? Now, if you just want more money, then say it. Articulate that if that's why you want to sell. But a lot of times with agency owners, the reason we have them start by articulating their vision is because sometimes agency owners end up realizing, oh my gosh, I'm in the wrong business. Mm. Um, Because at the end of the day, I I don't want to do this. I'm just doing this so I can sell, so I can make more money. But you've got to start drilling down on what's the aim? Why are you wanting to make more money? And why are you wanting to do it in this agency type, whatever that product or service is that you're offering to the market? Gotcha. Okay. And so there's like, like, there's nothing wrong with uh, prosperity, right? Oh. You know, again, a guy from seminary planted churches, if you're talking about faith or not faith, whatever it is, like capitalism is not evil. It can be used for evil, but like, mm-hmm. that's not evil. So you're good with that, but it's finding that mission that is a greater purpose. It's still yeah. very important to us as humans is what I hear you saying. Yeah. And, and, and so the money is an, it's, it's a, uh, it's an emotionless thing. It's a widget. It's a tool. We just happen in our society to use it as currency. So that's our modern currency for today. Um, So go go get it, go use it. The question is, what are you going to use it for? Because here's what we found, Dan, when money becomes the aim, when it becomes the purpose, it destroys every time it destroys. There's not a story in history where the, the greater accumulation of things not tied to purpose outside of that things just destroys. But the moment you have it, I mean, we got so many models right now of people who have, not just in the faith community, but outside, who have tied their currency to an outside purpose. When you tie your currency to an outside purpose, now the currency becomes truly valuable. There's real value there. But when we tie, there's a great story about uh, this rich guy in the uh, in the old Middle East, and he's his crops are coming up. It's a bumper crop. He's got these barns over here. And somebody comes to him and says, Hey, what are you going to do? You got all this crop, you got these barns. And he goes, I'm just going to tear my barns down and build bigger barns because then I can eat, drink, and be merry. And the response to that guy is, You're a fool because tonight you're going to die. And what are you going to do with all that stuff there? Who's going to get it? And that's why I'm saying we've got to tie it to a greater purpose other than just the accumulation of things for that, for that end. Yeah. Great advice. Um, yeah, that's, that's deep. Uh, so let's, I'd love to hear another, another story. I love story time. Yeah. So Scott, if you would share a story with me that, that highlights a specific way that you have been able to serve those clients, your, your ideal coaching clients. Yeah. Our ideal coaching clients are business owners whose hair is on fire, yeah. uh, who feel like they're, I, we had one lady tell us one time, I feel like I'm constantly throwing Hail Marys uh, every day, just hoping that they're, that, you know, this one will land, that we'll score a touchdown on this one. And, and, and it's kind of that riverboat gambling mindset that that is not a winning strategy. Um, you know, for, for the elite few, maybe, uh, gambling is an elite strategy, but for most, it's not a winning strategy. The winning strategy actually has more to do with just repetition, drip, drip, drip over time and following principles versus strategy. And the difference, Dan, is principles are things that do not change and will not change. Gravity is a principle. It does not change and it will not change. Strategy are the things that we look at. Marketers get caught up in this a lot. Is there a lot of marketing coaches? But in reality, what they're doing is they're giving strategy, which is here today, gone tomorrow. So Facebook ads might work today, but in 10 years, probably not. We're probably going to be onto something else. So that's a strategy, 
that we've got to think through. And stra- strategy coaches are, are very important, but the strategy has to lay on top of principle. Too many times we lay principle on top of strategy and strategy sand. It's shifting. It moves. So when I think about a story, um, we think about people who have followed principle. And last year we had a, a, a home builder actually on the West Coast. And at the time of this recording, we're just, well, we're not coming out of COVID. We're still very much in it, but we're coming out of the initial stages of understanding what it's doing uh, to our society. And this particular home builder, multi-million dollar company, and they were just kind of winging it. And if you're a multi-million dollar company winging it, you look really good on the outside, but you feel very angst and unease on the inside. And so what we did is we've got one tool that we walk all of our business owners through. It's called the level two dashboard. The level one dashboard is basically following the profit first model by Mike Michalowicz. We have everybody subdivide their bank accounts in a minimum of five accounts. And once they do that, we've got a silly, simple little spreadsheet called the level two dashboard where they track their cash, they track their receivables, they track their payables, and they track their customer metrics all on one spreadsheet. And they do it every single week, drip, 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 repetition. And so we did that. So this past year was a crazy year. And this particular client, their business got shut down for six weeks, multi-million dollar company, six weeks, zero billing. And so you would assume at the end of the year, I mean, that you know, if they even break even, they're going to be in great shape. Nothing else changed in their business. They did not grow their top line, by the way. They kept about even. They had $30,000 of available cash in the first month of the year. But by December, uh, the last month of the year, they had almost $400,000 of available cash. Not, I'm, not, I'm not counting cost of goods and all that. All that's taken out through the spreadsheet. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about the tide level that they had to be able to float from. They had had a tenfold increase in the available cash they'd had just because they followed their money. They spied on their money in using these dashboards. Again, principle. It's not the dashboard. It's just a simple little spreadsheet. It's not even the subdivision of the bank accounts. That's a cool little technique. But uh, if you just go down and repeat and repeat and repeat, that's why they say repetition is the mother of all learning. Yeah. If it feels, it feels very Dave Ramsey ish of like name, basically like name your dollars and yeah. make them work for you instead of you working for them kind of a thing. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I just feel like that, that feel. Yeah. That. Guy named Andy Stanley said, spy on your money, spy like on that. your money. Look at it. Now we don't want you to be obsessed with it. Just spy on it once a week and then go do your stuff. Yeah. It's amazing how that repetition and that spying can, you know, make little increments and those little increments add up. And then 1% every month ends up being 10 X over the, the year or whatever. Yeah. That's it's incredible. extraordinary. We had a, I had a guy send me the other day a picture of a brand new, it wasn't a Kubota tractor, but it was something like that. And uh, I don't know, it's probably $30,000 tractor. All he did was sent me the picture and, um, and with a hashtag bank accounts. And the idea was he swept a little bit every week. And by the end of the year, he bought a brand new shiny red tractor. Um, so who knows what you do with it? Uh, but I know what this guy does and what great joy when we can watch that sort of thing and then use it for something that's got real meaning and purpose. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about pain points, Scott. Um, yeah. With your with your clients uh, or maybe in the industry itself of, of coaching, what are the biggest pain points that you're seeing right now, right now? Yeah. You know, it's interesting, Dan. Again, I'll go back more to principle. Um, everybody's facing, you know, any of the market volatility that we might experience at any one given time. But the underlying pain points that we're seeing that are very common across uh, everybody we work with, and I would say 90% of the people we work with 
have some sort of bidding, estimating proposal writing in their scope in what they do. So that can be anywhere from architects to agency owners to contractors. You know, they've got some sort where they're putting out a proposal or a bid. And so those are the majority of people that, that we work with. And what we see, Dan, is there's a lot of guessing going on. And so in the construction space, they call it job costing. So let's say in an agency space, you've got a client and you look at that client, you go, hey, uh, you know, that client, we're doing this much work for this much time and all this stuff. So we kind of run this, this pseudo algorithm in our head and then we come up with a fee. And that fee might be a little bit more than the last fee we proposed because we think, yeah, that's what we're supposed to do is go higher and higher and higher. Yeah. And so we come up with that fee. But in reality, we don't know if it's profitable. By the time we suck out all the overhead, all the tax liability, all the payroll taxes for the team that we've got, you know, all those sorts of things, we just don't know. And so one of the things that we preach is you've got to know your numbers. And one of the ways you know your numbers is that level two dashboard we talk about, but also uh, in again, in construction, they call it job costing, project costing, basically taking the client and the amount of time, energy, resources, underlying expenses that you don't see, uh, all of those things and running them out and then having a line at the very end to go, are they profitable? Because even though you may be getting a higher fee, doesn't mean that they're profitable. And uh, we've even seen that in our business. We've got both W-2 coaches and also 1099 coaches. And I can tell you right away, for every dollar of revenue that a 1099 coach brings in, it is significantly less to our bottom line than every dollar that a W-2 coach brings in. And we know to the penny what the difference is just because we set up one calculator and then we track that calculator for everything that we do. So that's a big pain point is a lot of times people just don't know the underlying metrics of the business so that they can make decisions moving forward. Well, there you have it. Make sure you're tracking that and 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 I would say listeners, uh, hit up Scott and go find that level two dashboard. Get, get, yeah. And, and that's the thing, Dan, <laughs> is it's not comp- like we don't use software because we want our clients to see that you can do most of this on spreadsheets, yeah. um, for, for the size businesses we're dealing usually with businesses, two to 25 employees and under about 5 million in, in, um, in real revenue, they could have 10, 20 million in total revenue, but their cost of goods bring that down. So that's, I mean, you can kind of see the space we work in. And so we really, really like to go after low-hanging fruit, bottom-shelf sort of things that people use. And we've had clients that we've worked with for years that are still using the same spreadsheet job tracker that we built for them three years ago just because it works. Yeah. Incredible. So, Scott, I've got one last question for you in just a moment, yeah. but I want to make sure that folks do have a chance to either either look up you as a coach or you personally. Where can people connect with, with Scott Beebe and Business on Purpose? Wow. Dan, thanks. By the way, I, I want to tell you, thank you too. We've got a podcast and I know how hard this stuff is oh. and that you would share this, uh, share your stage with us. So I, I just want to tell you, thank you for that first. Yes, um, mybusinessonpurpose.com is our website. Now, I don't want you to flippantly move past that because what we've done is we've taken the, uh, I think it's six or seven hardest questions we get and we answer them right on our homepage. The very first question that we answer on our homepage is how much does business coaching cost? And we do not shy away from it. So you can see right there. And the the short answer is it depends, but we walk through what it depends on and what the rates are and how much it works. And it's mm-hmm. not just for our coaching, just in general, what that looks like. So mybusinessonpurpose.com. We've also got our podcast. It's the My Business on Purpose podcast and our YouTube channel. We're putting up content every week. So you can check us out there. Uh, and by the way, that homepage folks is awesome. Those, those FAQs are there. Each one of them has a video, uh, very simple 
to, to navigate great stuff. Uh, so Scott, I think of uh, rock stars as we are an agency rock stars <laughs> as uh, counterculture, maybe sometimes counterintuitive. They live life on the edge. So that's where this question comes from. Um, is there anything that you've learned over the years or any advice that you've heard that seems counterintuitive at first, but had a huge impact on your business once you implemented it? Yeah. So Dan, let's channel a recently departed rock star in Eddie Van Halen. So Van Halen concert, 1986, 5150 was my first ever concert uh, to go to in Portland, Oregon. And you had Sammy Hagar. He was, he was the lead singer at that time. And then you had the Van Halen brothers uh, and then Michael, whatever the bass guy's name was. And so you look at a guy like Eddie Van Halen, and this is a piece of wisdom that I did not glean because somebody told me. I gleaned it because I've seen it, uh, which is a principle in and of itself, is to have eyes to see and ears to hear. It doesn't necessarily mean eyeballs. It's just, what are you seeing and hearing? But Eddie Van Halen was a rock star, a legitimate hairband, you know, 70s, 80s, 90s rock star. And yet, when he passed away, when you reflected on his life, you had this sense of something deeper, not necessarily a, de a depth of faith. I don't, I don't know what that was, but just this sense of real thought, wisdom. When you think about Bob Dylan, somebody like that, and they're writing these lyrics that are, that are deeper than surface level. And when it comes to running a business, as I mentioned before, Dan, everybody sees your name on the side of the truck, on the shingle, on the outside of the building, you know, on some logo on a TV screen or whatever. That's what everybody's looking at exteriorly. And so it all looks good. The tools that we've got to make ourselves look shiny today are better than they've ever been. But the reality is we've got to look at the underlying, uh, what's underneath, what's that wisdom that's sort of bubbling that we need to be taking a look at, the numbers that we need to know, the people that we need to know. Um, and so I think that would be the biggest thing. It doesn't come out in a nugget, but it does come out to say, Hey, look a lot deeper than you're looking because a business is an organism. It's not this, this just emotionless widget. It's an organism that we get to steward, to tend to, to grow so that it can provide life for other people. Our business, the, 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 the end purpose of our business shouldn't be for our own gain. Um, our own gain should be in there. But the gain is there so that we can serve other people, so that, that tree grows up to be able to shade, provide fruit, you know, whatever for other people and how you, however you want to yeah. do it. But in order to tend that well, we've got to look a lot deeper than just the surface level branding stuff. Mm, that's good. Go deep. I love that, Scott. Great, man. Well, I'll tell you what, listeners, mybusinessonpurpose.com. Check out Scott and his stuff. Scott, it's been a pleasure, man. Thank you for being a part of this. Dan, thank you. Thanks for listening to the Agency Rockstars podcast. If you're an agency owner who would like to appear in this podcast, please visit legendaryleadgen.com slash podcast slash apply. Also, if you found this episode valuable, I would really appreciate you sharing it on social media. Even just a quick screenshot of the episode showing on your phone shared to social media would be great. If you truly enjoyed the episode, we'd also really love a rating in your favorite podcast player. Please give us a thumbs up or a rating and review. We promise to read it all and take action. And while you're at it, hit that subscribe button so you won't miss any of our upcoming episodes. Thanks again for listening. I'm Dana Lindahl, and if you want to connect, you can find me on LinkedIn. You can also find more information about everything we're currently doing at legendaryleadgen.com. Thanks for listening, and hope to hear from you soon.